Father, we thank you for today. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight. Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. But this is why we've come. We're ready for your word. Hide us behind the cross that those who are listening, those who are watching, would hear and see you today, Lord. That you would speak to their ready hearts and that they would hear what the Spirit has to say to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever tried to open something that was locked? Uh, Maybe a locked box or a locked door, a locked trunk. And and if you don't have the key, right, you'll grab the handle and jiggle it. You'll try to turn it. You'll try to open it. Maybe you've had some uh, experience watching uh, spy movies and the like, and maybe you'll try to get a bobby pin to open it or a safety pin to open it, right? But it just doesn't work. Uh, Because the truth of the matter is, I think all of us have learned that the easiest way to open something, the easiest way to unlock something, the easiest way to release something is to have the right key. Well, my brothers and sisters, here's what I want you to know today. There are many of you who are experiencing an absence of joy in your life. And today I want to help you figure out how to unlock that, how to release that in your life. Because the truth of the matter is, many of us are trying to uh, unleash and release joy in our lives, but we just don't have the key. We're trying to do it within our own power. And it doesn't matter how or what you use to jiggle, to pry, to twist. It doesn't matter what you do. It is so much easier if you understand what the key is to releasing joy in your life. Uh, Today, we're continuing our walk in the joy campaign. And the joy campaign is a study that we're doing through the book of Philippians. The sub-theme of the joy campaign is living a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world. And my brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but if we've ever needed joy before, if we've ever been in a trouble-filled time before, we are sure there now. Today I want to talk to you from the thought, The key to a joy-filled life. The key to a joy-filled life. We've been talking through chapter 1 about the foundation of a joy-filled life, and and we talked last about the focus of a joy-filled life. But today in Philippians chapter 1, verse 7, I want to put a quarter in the meter and park here for a few moments and talk about the key to a joy-filled life. Because my brothers and sisters, once you get the key, then you determine whether or not you want to open the door. And if there's anybody who can raise their hand and say, Pastor, I need some joy in my life. I need to figure out how to get joy in my life. Today, I want to help put the key in your hand. Here's the point for today. Number one, you need to know love is the key to having a joy-filled life. 
Love is the key to having a joy-filled life. Listen to what the ESV translation, Philippians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 has to say. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. More than on his mind, Paul tells these Philippian saints, you have a special place in my heart. Look at the New Living Translation of verse 7. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God. Uh, that word love there is the Greek word agape. We're all familiar with that word. But if you're not, let me just share with you what that word signifies. It is so much more than the emotional love that most of us think of when we hear the word love. It's beyond a brotherly love or a family love. It, it's an unconditional love. It is a divine love. It is a love that can never be generated from the human heart. It has to come to us from God. It's God's love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's Jesus' love for the Father. It's Jesus' love for us and it's the love that we are to have for God, and it's the love that we are to have for one another. When the gospel writer commands us that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are to love each other, our neighbors, as ourselves, it is that highest form of love that you can ever have ever receive and ever be expressed. My, my late pastor, Dr. A. Lewis Patterson, used to define it like this. He, he would say love is a minimum of emotions and a maximum evaluation of need with the meeting of that need in the spirit of self-sacrifice. It's doing whatever is needed to be done even if you don't feel like doing it. He, he would say it's not a liver, a, a quiver in your liver. It's not it's not something that you feel in your spine. It's the, it's the acting of your will, not because somebody deserves it, but because they need it. It's a love that sees a need, moves to act on the need, even if a person doesn't ask you to meet the need. It's that kind of love that is given without the requirement of anything in response. It's a love that sees the worst and shows up with the best. Understanding that when you see the worst, it shouldn't stop you from giving your best. It should inspire you to give your best. Paul says, love is the key. Love is the key to living a joy-filled life. And there's somebody in here, listen to me, there's somebody who is watching today, listen to me. You are too mean to have joy. 
You have too much hatred in your heart to have joy. You're wondering why you don't have joy, and I'm telling you, you can't have joy unless you unlock, release joy in your life, and the key to releasing joy is love. Paul says, you want to know how deep your joy can be? Look at how deep your love is. If you're walking around mad, it's as if Paul says, I guarantee you, you don't have any joy. If you're walking around upset, folk constantly getting on your nerve, guarantee you can't have the joy of the Lord. Because joy is an expression of love in the spirit of the one who recognizes love and the one who gives love. Now, here's a question. How, how is that love evidenced? How does that love show up? Look at Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to talk about it this week, and, and I'm going to talk about it again next week, but, but let me just give you a, a little, little glimpse at it. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Here is this ninefold manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what's interesting, my brothers and sisters? We, we, we hear in the body of Christ, we see emphasized in the body of Christ the gifts of the Spirit. And we want to parade our gifts, we want to compare our gifts. But isn't it amazing that while we want to emphasize the gifts of the Spirit, we minimize the fruit of the Spirit? And here's what you and I need to understand. The gifts of the Spirit are without repentance. And the gifts of the Spirit can be used in service, but the fruit of the Spirit reveals maturity. And there are a whole lot of people who have gifts but don't have fruit. They focus on working on and developing and perfecting their gift, but they neglect their fruit which is why you can have an indescribable, uh, an indescribable gift coming out of an immature vessel. Paul says you, you, you've got to show this love. That This love has to show up in, in a tangible way. It's got to be expressed in a tangible way, not just talking about it. He says, no, we ought to see the evidence of love coming out of your life. It shows up in joy. It shows up in patience. It shows up in, in, in kindness. It shows up in goodness. It shows up in faithfulness. See, when you live in the sphere of love, then you experience and, and develop within you and display to others the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This fruit is cultivated on the inside. And because this fruit is cultivated on the inside, it should never be damaged or deterred by circumstances on the outside, even though once the fruit is produced, it should impact and affect what's going on on the outside. In other words, outside circumstances can't stop the fruit from growing, 
But once the fruit is manifested, it should have some impact on the outside circumstances. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. And that idea of filling our hearts is literally to control our hearts, that God wants to control our hearts with love. Now, now I want you to see two things because, because you need to see what Paul has to say about the manifestation of this love in this passage. Look, look at A. You need to remember God's love for you if you're going to have joy. You, you want to know what's the relationship between love and joy? Here's the first relationship. You need to remember God's love for you if you are going to have joy. Look at what he says. For you, the B part of verse 7, are all partakers with me of grace. Uh, that, that, that's a powerful concept. Paul says, uh, you, you were not only partners with me in the gospel in verse 5, but Paul says, beyond being partners with me in the gospel, you are partakers with me in grace. You, you are partakers with me in grace. You, you have experienced along with me the grace of God. You, you, you experienced salvation that was provided by grace. You, you have experienced suffering because of the preaching of the gospel. You, you have shared the gospel with others. You have shared in the supporting of the gospel. And we have made it through it all by the grace of God. That, that grace, that word grace, that, that unmerited favor, that extraordinary uh, goodness, that, that unconditional uh, love from God, undeserved. He says, we, we have experienced the grace of God. You have experienced it. I have experienced it. And I've got to remember, man, if I want to keep my joy flame burning, I've got to remember God's love for me that's been expressed by the grace of God. Can I tell you something? When you forget the grace of God in your life, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, wait a minute, preacher, how can I forget about the grace of God? Oh, it's easy. It's easy. I promise you it's easy. When you start focusing more on yourself than you focus on God, when you focus more on what you're trying to get done than what God has already done, when you focus more on your effort instead of on God's majesty, when you start focusing on what you think you deserve and then you get angry and frustrated because you're not getting what you think you deserve and you are forgetting at that moment that everything you have has come by the grace of God. See, when, when you forget that you are a perpetual beneficiary of God's grace, that it's expressed to you every day, every morning you wake up, it's another expression of the grace of God. Every breath that you take, 
every step that you make, it is literally another expression of the grace of God. And you know what I've discovered? Sometimes we've got to go through some things in life to remind us that it's by his grace. It's by his grace. Why, why are you still standing and others have fallen? It's by his grace. Why, why, why are you still well and others around you have gotten sick? For somebody, why, why do you still have a job and others around you have been furloughed? And for somebody else, why, why have you been furloughed but you never missed a meal? It's by the grace of God. Favor is not fair. And you've got to look at the favor of God on your life. The grace of God that has shown up. And here's the blessing of the grace of God. It is not only always available, but it is always accessible to supply your needs. Let me say it again for somebody. The grace of God is always available and it's always accessible to supply your needs. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Three times, Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, that thorn in the flesh, that perpetual pain for which there was no earthly relief. And the Lord said to me, look at verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When you look at verse 9 and you do a grammatical syntactical analysis of verse 9, here's basically what God says to Paul. Paul, you've asked me three times to remove this thorn. And in verse 9, here's what God says. I'm going to answer this for the last time. Don't ask me no more, Paul. Here's my final answer. My grace is sufficient for you. What grace won't get you out of, grace will keep you through. Somebody ought to shout right there. Because you have made it where you are right now because of the grace of God in your life. You, you didn't get where you are because you deserve it. You didn't get where you are because you somehow merit the blessings of God on your life. There was nothing that you did where you were so good and you were so kind and you were so loving that God looked at you and said, oh, yeah, absolutely, they deserve it. No, everything you have gotten has been by the grace of God. Paul says, you, you are a partaker with me of the grace of God. We have been loved with an immeasurable love by God. If you ever doubt it, if you ever wonder about it, man, just stop and think for a moment. Just stop and think. Do, do like the old song said, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Don't get in a hurry. No, count them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. But watch what he says in B. You need to exercise your love for others if you're going to have joy. You're going to have to exercise your love for others. Watch what the Apostle Paul says. Verse 7, 
He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Go down to verse 8. For God is my witness. I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. See, we're talking about the relationship between love and joy. And here's what God wants you to understand. The joy of the Lord is not only experienced when you recognize God's love for you, the grace of God in your life. But here's what God wants you to also understand. The love of God that fuels joy must also be expressed in your love for other people. It's not just what you experience when you think about the joy of the Lord in your life, but it has to be expressed in your love for other people. Paul says, man, Philippians says, I love y'all. God is my witness how I yearn to be with all of you. Now, you have to understand, Paul was not with the Philippian Christians long. He planted that church, but he was persecuted. He planted that church, but soon afterwards, he, he, was, he, was, he was persecuted, he was mistreated, and he had to leave Philippi in order to save his life. But there was still a love that he had for them. I like the New Living Translation, verse 8. It says, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. See, see, Paul, he, he has love in his heart, not just in his head. But for that love to be meaningful, love has to be uh, transposed, it has to be transported from the heart to the hand. So, something's got to be said, something's got to be shown to put that love in action. Look at 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. Dear children, read, read it with me if you can at home. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Let us show love by our actions. We, we don't want to just say it. Come on, think about it for a moment. You don't just want to hear somebody say, I love you. You, you want them to show you in a tangible way. Uh, Willard Harley in his book, Five Love Languages, right? Uh, his needs, her needs, talks about the, the, the needs that, that a man has and a need that a woman has. And, and if you read that book, Five Love Languages, it talks about how, how each of us has a love language that we speak, a primary and a secondary, how we, how we show love and how we receive love. And sometimes how we show it is not how we receive it. Now, now, listen to me carefully because I don't want you to miss this. Here's what God is basically saying. Everybody can say it, but everybody doesn't show it. And you've got to show it, listen to me carefully, so that the one you are showing it to can see it. 
enough for me to just say, I love you. No, am I showing you that I love you? Well, I say I'm doing this, but if I'm showing it in a way that you can't see, then guess what? I've got to change how I show it so you can see it. He says, you, you got to show love. The, the Philippians, uh, they, they showed Paul love when they, they sent Epaphroditus to minister to him. Uh, Paul showed love uh, when he was concerned about his friends at, at Philippi, especially when Epaphroditus became ill and couldn't return right away. He talks about it in Philippians 2. He, he again, is showing them love and showing concern for them. Can, can I tell you another evidence of Christian love? Hmm. It's not here in the text, but it's in the Word. Another way to help you live a joy-filled life is to know and learn how to love through forgiveness. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 12. Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up trouble, but love forgives all wrongs. 1 Peter 4, 8, the Amplified Bible says, Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. When you learn how to forgive, I promise you, you are expressing a form of love that can put the key in your hand to release and unlock joy in your life. I told you earlier, somebody who's watching right now, you're too mean to experience God's joy. But for somebody else, you've been too hurt to experience God's joy. And until you learn how to, thank you, Lord, until you learn how to forgive and let it go, you are literally robbing yourself of the joy that God wants you to have. You, you know, it's like hiding something from somebody else and then forgetting where you hid it. And you can't find it yourself. God says, no, joy is available. But listen, you have to take the key of love and unlock and release the joy in your life. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, radio show was on and the announcer asked the husband, they were talking about blunders that have been made by your spouse. And the radio host asked the husband, he said, man, tell us about the biggest blunder your wife has ever done. And the husband said, I can't remember any. And the host said, oh, come on, man. I mean, I'm sure you can remember at least one just, just, I mean, just really boneheaded thing, one really crazy, dumb thing that your wife has done. Come on, share it with us. And the gentleman said, no, I really can't. He said, I love my wife very much. 
and I choose not to remember things like that. You know, what a tragedy that some of us don't understand the depth and the power of love. So that when we get in fights, we become not hysterical, but historical. And we start bringing up stuff from the past instead of covering the past with love. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 5. I read it for you earlier, but let me remind you again. The New Living Translation says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. Keeps no record of being wronged. I want to encourage somebody today to not only stop, to stop keeping a record of a loved one who's done wrong, but maybe you need to stop keeping record of your own wrongs. Because the Bible says when we ask God for forgiveness, he will take our sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. He will drop them into the depths of the ocean and remember them no more. And if God will forget a sin that you have asked for forgiveness for, why can't you forget about it and release it as well? That just might be the key to unlocking your own joy. Let, let me get ready to go. But I want to close by asking you this question. Have, have you ever locked uh, your keys in the car? You know, I, I, I've got a, a, a newer vehicle now, and uh, it's impossible to lock the fob in the car, right? If I, if I put the fob in the car and I try to lock it before I can close the door, it'll boop, boop open back up. But, but you remember back in the day when, when you would get out? I mean, I remember one time I, I literally was jumping out the car. I was running late for an appointment, left the keys in the ignition. The car was running, jumped out, locked the door, and was taken off to go into the appointment. I said, uh-oh, I unlocked my keys in the car. Can I tell you what was so frustrating about it? I knew better. And then on top of it, I'm hoping and praying, y'all. I'm, 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 I'm like going to try to snatch the door open. <laughs> it didn't work, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the top of the handle, trying to make it not working. And, and let me tell you what was so frustrating. I could see the keys. I could see the keys. I mean, I could look in and see the keys. I'm trying to figure out, man, can I get a hanger from somewhere? Maybe, I, you know, you start thinking crazy stuff, right? I mean, when you lock your keys in the car, I'm like, man, can I, can I, can I get a hanger in there and hook the hanger and then somehow pull the key out of the ignition or pull the key up and then pull it over so I can get it? You know, back in the day when you had those little round uh, tops on the, the, the locks that pushed down, right? You could, you could hook it and maybe pull it up. Man, well, of course, people were stealing cars doing that, right? So they removed all of that. So a good, honest person who locked the keys in the car, you can't get in your key in your car anymore. For somebody today, 
joy is literally as far away as that key locked in that vehicle. But here's the good news. Love can unlock the door so you can pick up the key to your joy. And I want to encourage somebody today to focus on that love. It might be tough, but man, don't, don't ever doubt God's love for you. And don't ever doubt the need to love others. Because when we love each other, guess what happens? Love is exchanged. And joy shows up when love is in the midst. God's love for us, our love for God, that vertical love that we have, but that horizontal love finishes it all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for showing us in your word that the key to unlocking the joy in our lives is love. Help us to remember, God, your love for us. That regardless of what people have said or done, regardless of the opinions of other people, you love us. Even despite our opinions of ourselves, because we have messed up in the past, you still love us. And we thank you, God, for the love that we have for others and the love that others have for us. Help us to focus on that love that our joy might be secure. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are watching today, um, I want to give you an opportunity today to ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. Uh, you've already seen throughout the broadcast opportunities to give, and those of you who would like to give, there are six different ways that you can give here at the Good Hope Church in support of the ministry of this church. Uh, some 250 to 300 families are fed every week here, uh, thousands of people every month. Uh, volunteers are serving. Uh, we're still supporting our missionaries locally, nationally, and internationally. Uh, we're about to send our missions pastor as soon as he it's finished raising his funds. He'll be going to Uganda full-time, second full-time missionary out of our church. We planted three churches out of our church, supported numerous other churches to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is a direct result of your giving. But even more than giving financially, I want to talk to somebody today who needs to give their heart to the Lord. I want to encourage somebody who needs to make that step and to make that stand. To make a decision to say yes to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer with us. To ask Jesus Christ into your life. It's not about church membership. It's not about baptism. It's not about rituals, routines, or religion. It's about a relationship. With the God who loves you so much, he loves you where you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you there. If you let him, he'll make something beautiful out of your life. 
And even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the midst of everything that's going on, I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life. Yes, yes. God has a plan for your life. The question is not, does God have a plan? The question is, do you know what the plan is? And it starts with knowing him. I want you to bow your heads with me, if you will. And I want you to join with me in praying uh, this prayer of salvation, asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart. I believe if you repeat this prayer with me, that God will hear your prayer. If you're sincere, that God will hear, answer your prayer, forgive you of your sins, and make you his child. Somebody who may be watching say, no, I'm already God's child. No, the Bible says in John chapter 1, he came unto his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. One scholar put it like this, the son of God became the son of man, that the sons and daughters of men could become the sons and daughters of God. See, if you have to become his son, that means you wasn't before you became. We are all God's creation. Yes, yes. But we all haven't been spiritually birthed into the family of God. And the word of God says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I want you to pray with me if you will. Bow your heads wherever you are if you feel so led and repeat after me these words. And I believe if you say them with your heart, if you believe in your heart, God will save you right now. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I want to turn away from my sinful life to the life you have planned for me. Please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me of my past. Make me new. I know your son, Jesus Christ died for me. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. At this very moment, I accept, I confess, and I proclaim Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior to live in my heart from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace that saved me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My brother, my sister, if you prayed that prayer, I believe by faith that you are saved. Now listen, if you're sitting there right now and you're saying, well, I don't feel any different, it's not about what you feel. It's about your will. It's about an expression of faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We would love to help you on your journey. Please, ma'am, please, sir, contact us. Let us know where you are. You can call us. You can submit an email to us and let us know. If you just prayed that prayer, we have a segment on our website in our app. I just got saved. Now what? I just became a Christian. Now what? Five steps that we want to encourage you to take. And if you're looking for a church home in the midst of this pandemic, you can't get out physically 
Join the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church virtually, and we'll help facilitate your discipleship on a virtual platform. Listen, just a couple of things I want to share with you. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody who participated in our Vacation Bible School this past week. Children, youth, adults, parents, everybody, visitors, family members, man, praise God for you. Hundreds of people were blessed in our Vacation Bible School. I want to thank our ministry leaders for doing an absolutely tremendous job. I want to thank our volunteers who stepped in and taught on various nights and facilitated groups and facilitated chats. What a blessing it has been to see boys and girls, young men, young women, adults come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and those who know the Lord to grow in their walk with the Lord. So I want to say thank you for everybody who participated. Our theme this year was Jesus, our strong foundation. And what a great time to talk about Jesus as our strong foundation. Lastly, let me say this. If you have been blessed by this message, blessed in this series, The Joy Campaign, I want to encourage you to register for a life group. It is not too late. We're just in chapter one, y'all. We haven't even got to chapter two, three, and four yet. So we are not even 25% through the book of Philippians. It's not too late for you to sign up to register and become part of a life group. And if you want to start your own life group, wherever you are in the world, I think we're being watched in some 72 different countries. Listen, you don't have to be in Houston. You don't have to be a member of our church. If you want to start a life group around the Word of God as we go through the Joy Campaign, we welcome you to be with us, all right? Here's the last thing I've got to say to you. Remember, God is doing something wonderful in you. So don't ever quit, don't ever doubt, don't ever give up in the midst of everything that's going on. I want you to rejoice and know that God is doing something wonderful in you. He's doing something wonderful in me. I claim the same thing for you. All right? Until next time, God bless is my prayer. God is doing something wonderful in me. Yes. God is doing something wonderful.